we're going to be in Matthew 13:44. We'll start there, and then we're going to jump to Colossians 1 today. So just uh, raise your hand if you need a Bible. We'd love for you to have a copy of Scripture. This is um, covering one of the topics we had this week in the book, Being with Jesus. If you need one of those books, we would love for you to have one of those books, Being with Jesus by Jim Branch. Um, they're on the welcome table. And next week, we'll be going through uh, 16 through 20. So anyway, um, let me pray, and we will jump in this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and ask that over the next period of time here that you would speak to us through your word as we read your word and we talk about your word, that you would speak to us. Pray that it, wouldn't, um, that it would be about you and your ideas and what you want to say to each person that's here and that you would use this time, make the most of it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So Matthew 13, 44 says, I'm just gonna jump in right there. This, out of kind of what we read this week, this is what jumped out to me. And it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything to get enough money to buy the field. So I just wanna like, for perspective's sake, this is one of the parables in Matthew 13 that Jesus is teaching. He's been teaching about the corruption in the church, in the wheat and the tares. He's taught about that. And then he's taught about the leaven working its way through a whole body. And some people would say that's for the good, and some people would say that's for the bad. And when I say some people, I mean commentaries, different scholars, theologians think that. But then he, over these next two parables, he begins to talk about the value of us and the value of the kingdom. And so in just this one verse, he says that it's like treasure. And I just wanna remind you that when it's in red, and John 1, 1 tells us that Jesus was with God and was God. And so here's what we believe to be God in the flesh saying, hey, this is what the kingdom's like. Right, or this is what the Father's like. It, it, I always like sit up in my chair when I'm reading that and say, okay, he's gonna tell me what the kingdom's like. And here it is, that it's so great that a guy would sell everything and hide the treasure so that he could have it all. That it, that's what the kingdom's like. And I think it's just this idea that it's greatly valued and it's a great value. And Jim Branch said it like this. He said, the more I think about it, once I'm truly convinced that life with God is like treasure, the most valuable, beautiful, captivating treasure I could ever hope to discover in my wildest dreams, dreams, it completely changes everything. So I want you to consider this thought as we talk through this today, how? Right, like how is the treasure worthy of me giving up something, a lot, or everything? Jesus says everything, right? But how is that worthy? And do I feel like it's worthy? Just ask that to yourself. We don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to show anybody your notes. But just to ask that question and think about that. And one of the things that I thought we could do is to go through Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 29, and I'll stop. I have five points. And so we'll read a section, I'll make a point, and we'll move on. This is um, just what the Lord revealed to me, but I think we get, a we get a glimpse of how great this treasure is by looking at this passage of scripture. So it starts out, and I would just say this first three verses, 15 to 17, 
if you're titling it in your notes, it's just his creation, right? Like to just consider, as you consider what treasure is, his creation. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things we can see and things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So I just want to consider his creation and what role that plays as we consider what this treasure is that he's offering us. And I want us to consider his treasure like this incredible, elaborate invitation to us that he's provided so that we might get to know him and who he is. Let's just look at earth, sea, and sky. Just some Googleable things. That's not a word, I'm sure, but things that I looked up on Google this week. And we talked last week about earth, this marvelous planet 93 million miles away from the sun. Right, that we, I bet nobody, if they got up and spent some time with the Lord this morning, thanked him for gravity. Right, no one. But we're all thankful for gravity, right? It beats floating around most days. Atmosphere, like nowhere else in the universe does life exist so far. Everybody's continuing to look, but so far, nothing, right? And so something unique about this planet that we live on And on the surface, on the land surface, 391,000 species of vascular plants. 1.2 million known and documented species of animals. They estimate there's 8.7 million species. Like, I don't know how they estimate that, right? Like, we've only found 1.2 million, but we think there's 8.7. It's like, I don't know where you came with that number. I'm not gonna beat up scientists today but that's 86% unknown. As smart as we are, 2,020 years after Christ, and there was obviously life before that, but just, we still, 86% short on known species, but the ones we know, 1.2 million. Let's look at the sea. 70% of the Earth's surface is covered with water. 15,000, as of 2015, by the way, 15,304 known species of fish over 20,000 estimated, again, 228,000, of plant species in our oceans, and they say maybe there's two million more. Again, like, what was Jacques Cousteau doing with all this time? Was he just drinking margaritas on the deck? I mean, wasn't he supposed to be exploring the ocean bottom? All right, and then let's look to the sky. We live in the Milky Way galaxy. That's our home address, right? In the universe, we're in the Milky Way galaxy. It's our little home. They say 300 billion to 400 billion stars. That's a pretty big delta. But they even said, we know there's 250 billion and it's plus or minus 150 billion. And I'm like, in my old job as a forklift salesman that sold pallet rack and forklifts and steel, we had tolerances, right? And plus or minus, like it's gonna be here plus or minus an inch. That was a lot, a quarter inch, a half inch, plus or minus 150 billion? Like, that's kind of a big deal. Although, like, as I thought about it, and I thought, well, we're going like this, right, around the sun, and the Earth's spinning, I've heard, 1,000 miles an hour, too, right? So, like, in fairness, they're counting, 
and it's getting, right? I mean, that's just the way I think about it. And so, here's some things we know. A hundred million light years across, okay, so that if you had a little spaceship and you could get in it and you could go 186,000 miles per second, that's the speed of light. If you can do that, right, and you travel for a hundred million years, you could go from one side of the Milky Way galaxy to the other, okay? And here's what they say. They say the Milky Way galaxy is kind of flat, right? Like in space, when you look at it, like we're long, but we're flat. No offense. It hit me just as hard as hitting you right now. But the flat is a thousand light years, top to bottom. A thousand light years. 186,000 miles per second for a thousand years. That's flat. So what's the point? It's big, right? The universe is big. And so I thought, well, I wonder what the largest galaxy is. And you guys already know it, IC 1101. And it's a billion light years away from us. A billion light years from us, and it is, has a radius of two million light years. That means from its core, for those of you who didn't do well in geometry, from its core out to its farthest reaches, two million light years, this one galaxy, IC 1101. And so I wanna go back to Colossians, right? And I wanna remind you, he made all things right? Things we can see, things we can't see, things scientists can't count yet or haven't had the chance, and he is supreme over all creation. And so I look at that and I think, okay, wow, you're over a lot, right? And Isaiah forty twelve says, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who's measured off the heavens that I just described with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains on a scale? So everything made through him and for him. And oh, by the way, like while we were sleeping last night, verse 17, he holds all things together. Pretty incredible, right? That that's Jesus. That's our savior. And I wonder why when I, when I like this vast creation, and I just wonder like why? And I think, well, you know, what's a painter do? A painter paints a carpenter builds, a creator creates, right? That's, that's like, that's who we worship. That's who he is. He is this incredible creator that we still haven't even begun with all of our technology and all of our advancement. We're just scratching the surface. Do you get that feeling? On all the things that he's made. And way I, the way I look at this is that two things. One, he has incredible capacity, right? So when I read verses like Psalm 37, 4, or sorry, 23, that he delights in all the details of our lives, right? That I understand, oh, you can do that. You have that capacity because you've made stars we can't even count, right? In fact, in Psalm 33, it says he just breathed the word and the stars came to be. And so, you know, like, that's pretty incredible that he has the capacity to do that. But the other part of it is, I think it's this grand invitation of like, hey, come, like, you think that's something? Come closer. Come to me. And I think that's what creation does. It calls us to our creator and calls us into a relationship with him. So I want to look at the next passage. And this is the second point, And it's that we're reconciled. And Jay had just talked about that as he was leading worship. But that we are reconciled. Listen, 
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So the gospel story, if you've never heard it, is really just like boiled way down, is that he created all of these things that I've just talked about. And then he placed a man and a woman in the garden, and he gave them everything. They didn't earn anything, he gave it all to them. You can have anything other than that, taking the fruit from that tree. But he gave them the right to choose because he wanted them to be in a loving relationship. He didn't want them to do it out of obligation. He wanted them to do it because they loved him and wanted to be with him. That's what love does, right? And so he let them choose. And before we pass judgment on him, like you wouldn't want to know my thoughts this morning if they had to be put up on the screen, right? Like we would all choose what they chose. I probably just would have chose it faster. But they chose, and so the way when they chose their own way and they chose not to follow him, that led to death, which is how we've gotten the fallen world, which begins the account in Genesis 3, which I know that you know. But in the midst of that world, after repeated attempts to try to reconcile us, he finally came himself in the, in the person of Jesus Christ. And that all the fullness that we've read of God lives in him, and through him we're reconciled. And reconcile means to settle an account, to make peace between, so that there's no reason for us to be at odds with God because of what Christ has done. That's the gospel, right? That even though, as it says in Romans 5, while we were still sinners, he died for us. Like even when we were his enemies, if you look at Ephesians 2, that even when we were there, he still died for us so that we know this is a gift, right? It's not a reward for the good that we've done, it's a gift that he gives to us, just like he gave the garden to Adam and Eve. So he gives us, and we're reconciled, and his blood settles all scores, all accounts, all wrongs. You need to hear this. It fully satisfies all the requirements of the law. Right? And that's what we rest in, and we stand in him then, as Romans 8.1 says, with no condemnation because we're in Christ, because we've invited him into our life, and we are with him. And as a result of that, we're not just his kids, we're heirs to his kingdom. Amen? It's starting to sound a little bit more like a treasure, is it not? That we've been made right, righteous. That we are the righteousness of God. And this is not because of what we've done, it's because of what he did. And so I love this week, as I looked at this passage, this next verse, and this is my, th- our, my third point today, and is, this is our charge, I think. This is, you know, the challenge, the charge, however you want to look at it, but it says this, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you, fir- when you heard the good news. Okay, so to not just believe, but to continue, right? I want to quote it just right. Continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. And so, how do we do that? 
the same way we came to faith. We repent of our sins and of our falling short of the mark and we invite Christ into our life and we believe that because we believe in him that we are with him. That's what we're told to be. That's the work of the kingdom is to believe. And so we repent and we believe and that's how we come to know him more. It's more the same. We continue to repent. We realize, hey, as I spend time with you in your word, I fall short. I should not be doing things like that. I should be doing them like this. And so I confess and I repent. Lord, forgive me and help me to walk like that. And I believe that he does. And I, as I do that, I see him move and I believe in him more. And then he brings me to something else and I repent and I believe, right? Like in my own life, as a new parent, I repented, right? When, right before we knew, like, uh, there's a very significant in my own spiritual walk that right before we knew Davis was gonna be born, that I knew, because I had spent time with the Lord, and it just kind of drifted. Not angry, not turning away from my faith, just not spending time with him, just drifting, right? Just drifting along. And so here I am with the challenge, like, to be a dad. And I knew where the wisdom was. I knew it resided in Christ, and I knew it resided in his word. And so I repented, and I came back to him, and I started this process, right? And as I was in sales and I was going through all of that stuff, I mean, some days pretty ugly and some days better. And then when they were ugly, I'd repent and confess. Like as an example, you know, those sales sometimes uh, six hours, six weeks, six months, whatever, long sales cycle, right? Long time. And so fighting this deal, we're, we're, we're chugging along, we're chugging along, trying to sell uh, some order pickers to Diane Flack Furniture. There's the actual. And so... Here we go, and I've got to make these tweaks to make it just right, and the engineer at the factory won't make the tweaks. And so the deal goes from here to here in a 15-minute phone call, and I'm livid, livid. And so I slam the phone down and throw my stapler and go right into the drywall in my office. And I knew that like, as I was trying to walk with the Lord and be an example for the guys that I work with, that that probably wasn't it, right? Like that wasn't the way. So I repented and I invited the Lord in and I let him soften me and I began to not put as much strain and struggle on each and every deal and transaction, right? As, and that, that, that was a process and it took time. It took me repenting and believing and repenting. And so that's the way that we continue to stand firm is that we just keep coming back to him. You can say, well, what comes first? Repenting or believing? I don't know. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Just repent and believe. Or believe or repent, but just keep on keeping on, right? It's, 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 I don't know which one's which, but the point is this. It's not a one-time thing. It's a process, right? It's not that I invited Christ into my life at this camp when I was a kid, and I'm good. You are good when you invite him in. That's true, but you're, he wants you to, to continue to walk with him and to, to stand firm in the faith, and you do that by walking with him and by inviting him in, by repenting and believing. So let's look a few verses down in verses 26 and 27. This would be the fourth one, I think, if I haven't lost track. And, I, and this is the treasure. Like, this is the treasure that this guy was willing to sell everything for. The message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people for God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. This is it. Jesus Christ lives in each one of us. 
when we invite him in, the supreme one, the one who made all those species that I talked about at the beginning, he resides in us through his spirit, right? And it is for us. And that's the treasure. That's what he's invited us into, that we might be in relationship and we might walk stuff out and that he would close doors and open doors and lead us and guide us as his word says that he does. And we're assured by his spirit that we're his and that we belong to him. It's pretty incredible, right? And I want you to think about this. If Christ is alive in me and he's alive in you, we know from 1 Corinthians 12, 7 that it, when we come to faith in him, he gives each one of us a gift for the, for the benefit of the church, the body of Christ, so that we might make each other stronger. Right? The gift isn't, my gift isn't for me, it's for you. And your gift isn't for you, it's for us. Okay? So you have something that I don't have and I have something you don't have. And we share that together when we gather together. That's why it says in Hebrews to just not give up on meeting together. That's why small groups are important. That's why we want to meet together in groups, right? It's because we have things that can benefit. And what happens when we do that, right? Like if we're reading scripture together and I share something with James. Sorry, James, I'm picking on you. If I share something with him and Will may be sitting there and Will hears it, it may be just what Will needed to hear today. But if James doesn't come, Will doesn't hear it. Do you see how the body works? Like we have to gather together and encourage each other in that way, right? And, and, and begin to share like here's my circumstances and here's what I'm going through. We were made to do life together. Paul Tripp, I read this devotional, New Morning Mercies. I'm reading through it this year, okay? And he says, he, he was telling a story about, he teaches one class at seminary about counseling and that none of the pastors want to go to it because they don't care about counseling, right? Pastors. And so um, he's trying to tell them stories about people's lives and what a mess they were and how counseling helped. And, and so like one of the guys says, okay, 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 we get it. Like, tell us how to handle these special projects. And he's like, no, like that's not it. Because what, you, what, you, what you're thinking is, is that if you preach the perfect passage, if you exegete scripture perfectly, then nobody will need counseling, right? He goes, but what you're, where you're missing it is that ideas aren't greater than people. And so, you know, and before you get too down on pastors, like we all kind of do that, right? Where it becomes about me and mine and not about ours. That's the same thing, really. But listen to what he says, Paul Tripp in this devotional. I cannot forsake truth for relationships and I cannot forsake relationships for truth. They need to be held together because we need to understand truth and community with one another to compensate for our blindness and bias. And we need truth to define us, to find for us what kind of community we should live in together. He goes on to say, in a community of humble love, we are best positioned to understand all that God has said to us in his word. So his love leads us into a community and it's in that community that we see lives change, right? Like we see people, we, we see we raise kids together. Right, like we, we celebrate when this kid gets accepted to a college and we celebrate when this kid meets the person they're gonna marry and then we celebrate when they get married and, we ce- and, and maybe we struggle when somebody deals with something hard, disease or death, and we walk it out with them, right? But this is how we more accurately, accurately understand his love is Christ in you, the treasure, and Christ in me. 
and we do that stuff together. So, last point, the last couple of verses, 28 and 29. So now what? What do we do with this treasure? We tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. See, it's a conviction of our hope. It's a conviction that the treasure is, in fact, treasure. Right? If I'm convicted like that, you know how that works. If I'm really convicted, I'll tell you about it. Right? Um, if you're on a new diet and you lose 10 pounds and your friend says, hey, you look good. How'd you do that? You say, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not eating any carbs. I just eat meat and cheese. I can eat all the meat and cheese I want. I can eat nuts and I'm just, and I don't eat any carbs. And then the weight's just falling off me. You should try it too. Right? Or I'm doing a new workout. I'm running up Murkison Hill. You should come out and run up Murkison Hill with me. Right? I mean, we say that to each other. Just, come on. All right, good. I'm seeing head nods. Right? Or the other end of the spectrum. We find a great new restaurant. Yeah, they got a cheeseburger. It's this tall. And they made a mound of fries. I couldn't even see Celia. It was so great. You should go. Let's go. Let's go down there right after church. Right? Like, we'll tell people because we're convicted. You know? And so we have this treasure. We have this incredible God who's created this incredible world that we live in and he has come and rescued us and reconciled us and made us holy and blameless without any fault. And so we want to tell people and it talks about like working hard. Are we working? No, we're just sharing what God has done. And here's the thing that I, the last thing I want to say about that is this. It says we warn and teach everyone. And you know, if I went out and stood on the corner and warned and taught everyone. Maybe that'd be effective. I don't think so, right? I think we live in a culture where we, the church, Christians, have done a lot of damage if we're just honest, right? You gotta live here. If you're not doing this, then you're doing it wrong, right? Or whatever it is, we've come up with things that have alienated people from Christ and the church, And so we have to do now in this context, in this culture, is we have to love people and we have to care for them and we have to look for ways to encourage them and walk alongside them. And then over time, they begin to ask us. In my life, this guy named Chuck Wilson led the youth group at First Methodist Church in Waco where I was a college volunteer. And I was nuts. Karen's sitting right back there. She's smiling. She was in the youth group. Okay? And she knows like, they're like, who knows? What's going to, they may light somebody on fire this week. Like, they're crazy. We're all going, you know? Like, and we were. We, me and a couple of my buddies were nuts. And we, we'd never tell what we were going to do or if we we're going to show up or whatever. But Chuck never said a derogatory thing to me, right, as the leader. He just led by example. He just loved me. I knew that I could call him any hour of the day. I knew that every time I talked to him, he was going to say something encouraging to me. I knew he was for me. And so I began to value what Chuck began to value. And I began to open up scripture and read it because Chuck opened up scripture and read it, right? And it's like, he made a huge impact in my life. And he never, like, in, in one way, he warned and taught me. In another way, he never warned and taught me. I just watched him. And so what I want to encourage you about is this. Let's think about how how or what 
we might do with this treasure, right? Are we willing to sell everything? I don't, I don't know that you, we all have to sell everything, but there may be something we have to give up. Something may need to move off our schedule so that we can walk alongside somebody so that they can come to know that Jesus is incredible and he's offering them this great gift. And so that's what I wanna encourage you with today is to think about what does it mean for you to sell everything so that you can have the hidden treasure? How do we apply that to our lives? Like, I don't have the answer for you. I want you to like search that out with the Lord. I want you to ask that of him. And I want you to remember that I believe he's worth it. You know, I just love when I read that he's the visible image of the invisible God and that he's supreme over all creation and that through him, God created everything. Things we can see and things we can't see. Everything was created through him and for him. And he holds it all together. These guys are gonna come up and lead us in a final song and I'm gonna pray. You guys bow your heads with us. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would help us consider this morning the treasure that you're offering us, what it looks like to be yours and to walk with you. Lord, if there's something, whether it's a burden, whether it's possession, whether it's a child, whether it's a parent, whatever, I pray that you would gently nudge us to lay that down before you. That we might fully participate in what you've offered to us. That we might hold this relationship with you and one another as a treasure that it is. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.